I was, uh, I was intrigued with the invitation to come to Labor Day because uh, Labor Day is when, when we um, honor the, the labor that went into the building up and prospering and well-being of this country. And I thought to myself, that well-being is, we think about material prosperity most times. But the well-being of a country goes far beyond the material well-being to include the moral well-being and the spiritual well-being. And so if there's any place to commemorate and honor labor, it's, it's the labor that God has called us to in God's mission in the world today. And that's the reason I've chosen Jeremiah 29. It sort of has a Labor Day connection. I'm, I'm filled with hope these days about the future because I see good things happening in the church. As I say, with this re- refocusing on the mission of God, congregations really recovering this understanding that we're all being sent into the mission of God. Yes, we continue to support missionaries who go globally, and I see in your program that you're supporting and praying for missionaries, and that's good and that needs to continue. But in addition to that, we're, we're recovering the sense of all being sent into the mission of God. And again, I think East Pete is leading the way in that regard, and, I, and again, I affirm that and, and appreciate that. I think the church has a message of hope, the only and true message of hope for the world, and that is the message of the kingdom of Jesus Christ, announcing the kingdom of God, the rule and reign of Christ, um, and, and, and the, the life that that's bringing to the cosmos, including the world. You see, this is hard for us to get sometimes, but we, we've got to understand more and more that the mission of God is kingdom-centered, not church-centered. Now, yes, the church plays a vital role in God's work in the kingdom. But at the end of the day, it's not about the church. It's about the kingdom, the rule and reign of God. The church has come. The church will go. It's about the enduring, everlasting kingdom of God. And so you might ask, so what is the kingdom? Well, there's a lot of things we could talk about. But in, 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 in the simp- simplest form, and this is very overly simplistic, but the kingdom of God is about life. About life as God intended it. Life as God created. The shalom of God. It's, a, it's, it's about God's intentions for what God created. And, and, and indeed, life is the primal gift. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. John 1, in him was life, and that life was the light of humanity. And so the kingdom of God, the light of the kingdom of God, is about life. And so um, for our brief moments together here on this Labor Day weekend, one of my objectives is, in addition to worshiping God and celebrating God's presence, is to encourage us, perhaps cultivate a discipline of learning to pray um, as Jesus taught us to pray. Jeff, thank you for using the Lord's Prayer. We pray it. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, earth is pretty big. And so earth is way out there. So earth, it's, it's sort of impersonal, and, and we can pray it without even thinking about it. But your kingdom come on earth as, as it is in heaven. Um, and so what I'm hoping we can do <clears throat> is increasingly learn to pray that prayer, your kingdom come in my neighborhood as it is in heaven. 
Now, all of a sudden, you have, what's that mean? What would the kingdom look like in my neighborhood or in East Petersburg, in our neighborhood? It's not a new idea. God intends for God's people to bring the blessings of life to the world from the very beginning. So if you have your Bibles along and you uh, can find Jeremiah 29, I invite you to turn to Jeremiah 29. The title of the sermon this morning is The Peace of the City. Before I read this text, just a few comments about the background, the backdrop to the text, so we better understand it, is uh, that Jeremiah was writing in the late 7th, early 6th century, 100 years after King Hosea's reform. King Hosea's son took Israel into spiritual shambles, returning Judah to, uh, to Baal worship and sacrificing children at altars, and these were sad conditions into which Jeremiah was writing. Now, there was a brief time when King Josiah led spiritual renewal, but then he got killed in battle in 609, and his successor Jehoiakim once again rejected the spiritual reform of King Josiah. And after this, after this brief time of spiritual renewal, there was this, again, this long, slow spiritual decline in Israel that led to disaster. In a short period of time, I said long, only 25 years, really, 25 years after a series of weak kings, the Babylonians came into Jerusalem, seized it, looted the temple, uh, burned the city, and marched the mass of citizens away as captives, and the national existence of Israel ended. It was a dark day. And that's where we find Jeremiah writing this letter to the exiles who were in Babylon. Now, verse 3 locates this letter about four years into the exile. And so these people back in Babylon were, were, were grieving. They wanted to go back home to Jerusalem. In fact, there were some, in, in chapter 28, the chapter just before this, there, there were some false pro- prophets who were promising that, okay, we're going to go back to Jerusalem soon. In a matter of two years, we're going to throw off the yoke of these Babylonians, and we're going to be able to go back home. And this talk of insurrection really pleased the Israelites because they, they, they hated it there in Babylon, and they wanted to go back home. And so into that context, Jeremiah, Jeremiah writes this letter. It's amazing. We have this letter right in front of us here in chapter 29. I'd like to read part of the letter that Jeremiah sent back to Babylon to the, to the exiles, beginning in verse 4 of chapter 29. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Because in, rather increase in number there, do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my gracious promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me 
when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I banished you, declares the Lord, and bring, bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. And then the letter goes on, uh, but we'll stop there. Um, this text was actually uh, one of the texts that we used in our dwelling in the word uh, discipline. In, in LMC, we have this practice of picking a text for the year. And every time we meet, every meeting, even staff meetings, we turn to that text, invite the Lord to shape us through that text. So we spend a year in this text, and then we said, you know what? We need to spend more time in this text, so we spend a second year in this. So we were, we were in this text for two years, and I think it has shaped us and formed us as, as a people. Um, let me make some observations about this. First, um, Jeremiah presents, in this little letter to the, to the exiles, Jeremiah presents God as the chief actor, not us. God acts, we respond. Notice verse 4. To all those I carried into exile. It wasn't the Babylonians, ultimately. It was God who carried the Israelites into that. God is the chief actor. Verse 14. The places where I have banished you. Verse 14. I will bring you back from captivity. Um, in verse 14, I like this. It's not, you will find me, but I will be found by you. That's a fascinating twist of words. God says, I will be found by you. So God is the chief actor, not us. We're not in control. We only respond to God's initiative. So I think that's an important observation for all of us to make all times. Ultimately, we are not in charge. God is in charge, and we respond and follow God. The second observation of this text from this letter is that Jeremiah offers a beautiful and powerful message of hope. It's almost like a salvation oracle. that Jesus is coming. I will come to you and fulfill my good promise, he says in verse 10. And so this is, a, this is a powerful message of hope to people who were in Babylon in exile and losing hope. They were frustrated. They wanted to go back home. And Jeremiah is saying, the promise is coming. God will deliver you. Then the third observation is that Jeremiah, though, rejects this notion of a quick deliverance. No, 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 no. Don't let those false prophets deceive you. Verse 5, settle down, plant gardens, eat what they produce, build houses, live in them, have sons and daughters and grandchildren. And then he talks about 70 years. Good grief, 70 years. Can I, can I endure this existence in exile for seven years? After 70 years, I will come to you. And so... These false prophets that were promising insurrection and return to, to Jerusalem in, in a matter of two years were silenced by this letter when Jeremiah said, no, 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 not so fast here. Settle down for the long haul. Plant your roots deep into this community into which I have sent you as exiles. And then the fourth observation is probably the hardest, and that is that Jeremiah calls his people to God's greater mission because the people of Israel somehow forgot that God's economy extends beyond them to the world that God so loves. It isn't about just Israel prospering and succeeding, but God's desire was that through Israel all the nations of the world could be blessed. And so here we are, even in exile, we are called to the larger mission of God in verse 7. Seek the peace 
and prosperity of the city. Pray to the Lord for it. Because if it prospers, you too will prosper. This must have been a hard message to hear. Here they were, prisoners of war, in exile, longing to go back home, excited about this talk of insurrection. We'll throw these enemies off our back and be able to get up. They were homesick for Jerusalem. And now Jeremiah comes along in his letter and says, No, 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 no. Seek the peace and prosperity of the city, your captors. You've got to be kidding me. We want to go back home. And, and, and through Jeremiah, God's saying, no, 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 no. I sent you here. I brought you here because I want you to bring peace and prosperity to this place. And they weren't sure they liked that. In fact, it wasn't their practice back in Jerusalem. The upper-class wealthy Jews were ne- neglecting the needs of the poor. Even a hundred years earlier, God, God spoke to Israel through, through Isaiah. Another text we spent I think two years in. I don't remember a year, at least a year, maybe two years in Isaiah 58. A powerful text. Where in Isaiah 58, they were still in Jerusalem. They were still at home where they wanted to be. But God was getting their attention because city after city around them was being taken by the Assyrians. And there in Jerusalem, they were crying out to God. God, help, help. We're in trouble. And God wasn't hearing. And they complained, God, why aren't you hearing our prayers? And through Isaiah in chapter 58, God said, that's right. I'm not hearing your prayers. I'm not impressed. You need to keep praying. You need to keep fasting. You need to keep doing all the stuff you're doing in the temple. But you're forgetting a few things. And through Isaiah, God said, it's time that you start spending yourself. I think the NIV uses that word, spending yourselves. It's time you start spending yourselves on behalf of the needs of the world around you. Because until you get that, you don't get my mission. And then Isaiah 58, Isaiah goes on chapter 58 to say, <clears throat> and, and when you begin to do that, then your light will dawn. Then you will find life that you're looking for. And, 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 and so we don't have any evidence that the, the Israelites ever really got that. And now they here, are, here they are in exile, and the same message is coming to them through Jeremiah. You see, God's, uh, Israel's neglect of the poor and needy around them was detestable in the sight of God, and God was calling them back to God's mission in exile to pray for their captives and seek the welfare of the city. God's heart for shalom, restoring all things as they were created to be. Now, this, this is an Old Testament text, I grant you that. But this theme carries right into the New Testament. We can talk about Luke 10, where Jesus sent the 70 out to every town and place where he himself intended to go, and saying, when you get to a house, say to this house, peace to this house. And, and if, you're, if your peace is received, dwell in the house and eat the food that's set before you. If, you're, if, you're, if the peace that you offer is, extended, is, is rejected, then take the peace back, shake the dust off your feet, and move on. Because my intention is for you to go pronounce the peace of the kingdom in your neighborhoods. In fact, Twin Win, Bishop Twin Win from Philadelphia, he loves evangelism. He says it's simple. All you do is say, do you want peace in your heart? Who wouldn't want peace in their heart? And he says, people say, yeah, yeah, I want peace. He said, well, now I could pray for peace. You could have peace. And then for the rest of the day, you would, you would be happy. You'd have the peace of God in your heart. But then tomorrow something would come up. So Twin Win says... 
you can, you can pray to accept the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ, into your heart, and then the peace of Christ will be within you. And then you'll always have peace. Would you like to pray that prayer? <laughs> and he says, people say, yes, yes, I want to pray that prayer. And he says, you know, people, people want the good news of the kingdom, the peace of Christ in their heart. We won't take time to turn, but, but you know the text in Matthew 25 where um, the way people responded to the needs of, world, of the world around them impacted them on Judgment Day. Where, where on the Judgment Day, God is separating, separating the sheep from the goats. And he says, now, here, you come and sit on the right hand of my father because I was hungry and you fed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was in prison and you visited me. And they said, when did we do that? And they said, when you did it to the least of these among you, you did it for me. And on the other hand, he looked at the others and said, here, depart from me. I never knew you. Because I was hungry, you didn't feed me. I was thirsty, you didn't give me drink. I was naked, you didn't clothe me. I was in prison, you didn't, you didn't visit me. He said, well, when, 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 did, when, when didn't we do that? Well, you didn't do that when you did it to the least of these around you. Depart from me, I never knew you. It's a stunning judgment on God's people to understand God's purposes that through the church, the nations of the world would be blessed. God is calling us to catch that vision of shalom, the kingdom of God. So in conclusion, what does this mean for us at East Peak? What does this mean for us in LMC? I'm encouraged because I think this text and other texts that we dwelled in, Isaiah 58 and Mark, Luke 10 and all the rest of them, have slowly transformed us to understanding that we're not here for our own good. I mean, yes, God's goodness is upon us. But we're not here to hoard that to ourselves and pretend it's all about us. No, we're being sent into the mission of God so that the shalom of God, the blessings of God could be experienced by the world that God so loves through us. And so I affirm the transformation that I'm seeing in congregations where they're really grappling with these questions. How can we make an impact on this neighborhood? You know, this is, uh, this is, no, bi- this is no small deal. This is a big deal. For, for traditional Mennonite congregations. You know, I, when I grew up, um, I was a little shaver. I remember going to school in the Warwick School District at Lidditz Elementary School. Maybe some of you were my classmates. <laughs> but the weird thing is, I knew these kids weren't my people. And so I sort of kept to myself. Didn't, no, I didn't think I, I, uh, these, these, so so we, we have a high value in nonconformity. And there's a lot of value. And I preach sermons of nonconformity. Not, be not conformed to Romans 10, be not, Romans 12, be not conformed to the world, be transformed by the universe. So, so I, I'm not knocking nonconformity, be not conformed to the world. But we were so nonconformed that we, we separate ourselves from the world. In fact, it's that bad, and I've, I've shared this publicly. I may have even said it here at East Pete, I don't remember. But I'll say it again. It's, it was that bad for me that when I was in high school, at Conestoga Valley High School, there, there were kids I just didn't have anything to do with because I knew they weren't my people. Now, I never would have said that. I never would have articulated it that way, but that's the truth. Now, the really embarrassing part about that is that I learned later some of them were Atlantic Coast Conference. Atlantic Coast Conference, they weren't my people. Well, that's pathetic. We had this... We had this strong emphasis on nonconformity, separateness. And while that's good, if it keeps us so separate from the people that we have no meaningful, relevant connection to the people, then we're missing the purpose of God, mission of God. And I think in some degree 
That's what God is calling us out of. Yes, we need to conform to the kingdom of Christ and not be conformed to the ways of the world. But we need to do so in a way that, that still makes us relevant. Our, our core values in Lancaster Conference, which you may have studied, one of the core values is, is to, be, to have a culturally relevant contrast community. Now, there is a trick. A culturally relevant contrast community. The Amish are definitely a contrast community. Now, the question is, how culturally relevant are they? How many, how many people are being blessed? And we don't want to get into that because there are people being blessed. Um, so you can be so, so contrast community that you have no relevance. Or you can be so relevant that you have no contrast to offer, no kingdom contrast. And so I think the Lord is calling us back. And, and in my mind, it's an exciting time. It's, it's, there's a, there's a, a shift occurring in our congregations. And I know it's occurring here. And I, again, hats off to Jeff and the work that's being done here to help us understand to, what it means to be an externally focused church because God intends to bless the community through the church. And so uh, I'm hopeful. I'm encouraged. The church is recovering the re- redemptive role of Christ, proclaiming the good news that forgiveness is in, the new life of Christ, the shalom of God in Christ, seeking the peace and prosperity of the neighborhood that, that um, God has placed us. Let me close with one quick story. Uh, Reggie McNeil talks about a suburb of Dallas, Dallas, Texas, where they had terribly high um, unemployment. I mean, terribly high unemployment. So the community leaders began to discuss, you know, what's this unemployment about? And, and, and they traced it back to graduation rates. And the lower graduation rates they had, the, the, more, the more joblessness and unemployment they had. And so they looked at this gradu- these graduation rates and we're asking, why, why are these, these woeful graduation rates? And they traced it back to people's ability to read. And those of you who are educators would know, I didn't know this, uh, they, they, they concluded or knew or figured out that the key for learning to read, the, the breaking point is in second grade. And if you lose it in second grade, you, you'll lose it. And so... The church leaders in that Dallas suburb worked with the civic leaders to put together a program for volunteers to get into the public school systems to sit one hour a week with second graders to read. And the last count was that over a thousand volunteers in that school district were reading to second graders. And making a difference in their life. That's life. That's kingdom stuff. So the school superintendent decided that he should do this too. You know, he should join all these volunteers. And so he, he, he was assigned a little boy in second grade to read to. And he was busy, and, 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 and he got developed a relationship with this, this little boy, reading to him one hour a week. And then one day he, he got tied up in a meeting. He was late. And he, he remembered, and he rushed over to where this little boy, and, and he saw the little boy sitting alone and crying. And as he entered, the little boy looked up and saw him, and his face brightened, and he ran to the superintendent, threw his arms around him, and said, I thought you forgot about me. The difference that relationships can make. And I think God is asking us, 
I thought you forgot about the world that I so love. In, in my township, West Calico Township, we have some of the highest poverty rates in the county, second to the city. And you'd hardly know it. I mean, where are these poor people? Well, they're there. They're there. And so I was so delighted when churches got together and, and, and purchased a big old historic building in Denver, Denver, Pennsylvania, um, that had become a house of ill repute and a rat hole, a mess. It was, and, and to fully restore that, now they finally decided to, to tear it down entirely and put up a building like it for a community health care, for various programs to attend to the needs of the poor, for low-income up in the second and third floor, there'll be low-income apartments. And I was thrilled when Blainsport Manor Church says, hey, we'll help with that. And they threw a big commitment into that, which is allowing them to start construction yet this fall. And in my mind, it's, it's answering the question that God is asking, have you forgotten about me and the world I so love? So I would say, let's do it. Blessings to East Pete and the way you're working at it and Blainsport and Weaverland and all the other churches that are finding ways. We can bring the light of Christ and the life of Christ to the world. And that's what God is calling us to. Will you pray with me? Thank you, Lord, for this letter preserved over the millennia here in uh, Jeremiah. This, This picture of a people who had forgotten your purposes to bless the nations of the world. And we're not all sure, we're not always sure what uh, the people there in exile really did with this letter. Uh, it appears that they never did get the message. And, and, and Lord, to the extent that we don't get the message, we say forgive us and help us. And we want to change and we want to be your people sent into the world you so love with the good news of the kingdom, the kingdom of light and life and shalom as you intended things to be. And so I pray your blessing upon this congregation, upon the leaders here in this congregation, as they are a light and lighthouse to the East Peak community. Bless them, Lord, and congregations around them as they work together. And Lord, we pray your blessing, LMC, as we work at recovering this vision of being a sent people. For your glory, Lord, for your glory alone, we pray through Christ. Amen.